Hello everybody, welcome to Roleplay Chat. It's me, Matt. I'm a game master who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today, we're going to talk about the rule of cool. Forgive me, my voice is a little bit stuffed up, I'm a little bit sick, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, you know, it's better in the recording with the interview because, uh, anyway, it's gotten worse since then, so hopefully it's fine in the discussion. But yeah, the rule of cool, I think it's a lot of fun to talk about this. I had a blast talking about it, especially because the rule of cool is something that I think is a kind of a game master mindset that a lot of us have experienced as game masters before or as players. I know there's a lot of you out there that might be saying, whoa, 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 Matt, I never implement the rule of cool. I only stick to what the dice tell me. And if that's, if that's your way of having fun, that's totally fine. But I still want to encourage you to listen to this episode and hear it out to the end. I think there's some really interesting insights to be gleaned. But before we do that, I wanted to remind everybody about the affiliate links for the show. If you guys like making minis on Hero Forge or you like buying tabletop RPG material at DriveThruRPG, there are links in the show notes that you can link up to those websites to buy your materials or your minis, and a small fraction of that is going to go to me. I highly uh, appreciate it, if you can, because that money is going to help make this show a lot better. And with that said, let's get into the discussion and into the recording. Hope you enjoy it. And today we are joined by none other than David, the Game Master from the From Afar podcast. David, why don't you say hello to the listeners and let us know a little bit about yourself, uh, your show, and your geek origin story. What kind of games do you like running and stuff like that? Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, my, my name is David. I am the Dungeon Master, Game Master, whatever. I forget the correct terminology now. Uh, for From Afar Podcast, we are a bi-weekly uh, D&D 5e actual play podcast. And as it, our, our current story right now is called quest for atlantis so it's a very like high seas and piratey and like plane plane jumping adventure uh and i do so we do that we we stream every wednesday on our twitch channel and we and then every other friday on our twitch channel uh but yeah we run twitter and discord and stuff so come hang out with us man we'd, we'd love to hang hang with you all and uh my geek origin story oh man that is that's a good question. Already asking the already asking <laughs> the good ones right out the gate. Uh, probably, I mean, this is gonna sound kind of cheesy, but just like always, like I was always really into cartoons and anime and fantasy things. I think some of the first like like books I read were I don't know I forget the name of them, but they were like some like old like young adult like Knights of the Round Table with rollerblades or whatever <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, we, we, I like to run very goofy, very fun, very, um, story based games because, uh, what I do in, in, in real life is I am a freelance filmmaker. So we do a lot of like story, storytelling, screenwriting, uh, and that kind of stuff. So just sort of all, all encompassing from Dungeons and Dragons to Uno. That's, that's where I'm. That's where I'm at. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. I, yeah, you know what? Up until now, I completely forgot that you run uh, a sea adventure. I mean, I know I know there's more to it than that, but yeah. it's very uncommon for me to find another person who runs a pirate or seafaring type adv- adventure. I've been running a pirate game 
with my, you know, my, my little circle of friends on my oh, table yeah. for, yeah, for a long time. There was a really long pandemic hiatus, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I've been running that for a long time and I love it. I love it to death. Maybe later, it doesn't make for good podcast content, but I want to show you my, I made a, a boat out of XPS foam. It's freaking amazing. It's got levels. Oh. It opens up. It's like, oh. it's, it's nice. I want to see that so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll show that to you after podcast listeners. Maybe I'll. I'm sure I must have posted pictures of it before, but I'll do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Come, 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 come after me on Twitter, and we'll uh, <laughs> I'll make sure that happens. But yeah, you know, and Dave, I'm really happy. David, rather, sorry, Dave, David, do you have a preference? Whatever. Whatever okay, honestly, I'll, I'll stick with Dave. I'll stick with David unless cool. I slip up. But <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll just get really mad if okay. you do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like you're fine, dude. It's all good. But thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, I'm really happy to hear that you, you know, you've, you've made and done your own freelance film stuff because the rule of cool, when I was doing my research was something that, uh, that came up as being actually a term that comes from cinematography. It's, it's something that to my surprise was something that's used in film. And when I did a little bit of research for today's show, I was almost taken aback like normally i don't do a whole lot of research because i want it to be very spontaneous Mm. but there were so many different like forms of rule of cool and so many different like aspects to consider from a film and literature angle i found up very little surprisingly for role-playing games which i found to be interesting there was a few stuff from like geeks and sundry Mm. and there's a few articles but um Nothing, nothing, you know, that strayed too far from what was in film and what was in kind of that world. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation today to see if if we can come up with some some interesting new perspectives on this. And, and maybe not. Maybe maybe there's there's nothing there. But we can't yeah, know like, until we have the chat. So <laughs> exactly. We're just gonna we'll, we'll take it one one word at a time. We'll just figure this out because it's, yeah, I that I think that's interesting you say that because I, I think. If you asked any other like TTRPG player what it meant, everyone would be like, "Oh yeah, rule of cool." So it's the best. It's the best. But then if you were like, "What does it mean?" They'd be like, "Um, I can just break the rules and do cool stuff." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. like so. Yeah, yeah, that maybe that is the best definition. Who knows? Yeah, per- perhaps that mm-hmm. often the simplest ones are the ones that are are the greatest. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so if you can, you know, listeners and, and David, if you will bear with me, I want to go through two different definitions. One of the willingness to suspend disbelief, which I think is really important when we talk about the rule of cool. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that literally that sentence was the rule of cool. Oh, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief. But mm-hmm. actually, it's kind of the opposite, to my surprise. So this willingness to suspend disbelief. And this is according to uh, an article from TV tropes, which, you know, take it or leave it. It's kind of like a Wikipedia of, Mm. uh, of, of cinematography definitions and things like this, but that it starts off its definition with what I think to be a really interesting uh, example. So what it says is anybody that's an audience in anything is participating in their willingness to suspend their disbelief. And the example they give is if you're watching a puppet show, if you're watching a puppet show, if you spend the whole time focusing on the fact that somebody is pulling these strings that you can probably visibly see when they're, when you're watching the puppet show, 
you're not going to really enjoy yourself. You're focusing on the wrong thing. You, you have to accept the reality that these are puppets. There are going to be strings. There's people behind moving the puppets. And then once you get past that, you can accept what it is for what it is, given the limitations and the rules that it sets for itself. So far, so good, Dave? Great. I'm, I'm, my, my <laughs> mind is, is, is racing because like you're, you're reminding me a lot of um, one of the first screen, screenwriting classes I took, but we can talk about that in a second. Keep going. You're, you're, <laughs> okay. on, you're on a roll. You're on okay. a roll. Awesome. Awesome. So, so I hope that makes sense to people listening. I, I hope that you can kind of understand this concept of willing to suspend your disbelief. It's this ability to forget that there might be some limitations. There might be some things going on in whatever you're spectating to properly enjoy it for one, but also to kind of accept some of the things that are going on that might be impossible. Any kind of sci-fi movie is going to have like time travel or traveling at the speed of light or wormholes or whatever. Does all this stuff exist? Uh, I'm going to say no, but <laughs> maybe some scientists out there will, will disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you accept the fact that those things are real in the movie or in the book or in whatever you're willing to suspend your disbelief to enjoy the film. And the reason you do that is because it kind of has its own set of rules. And as long as it stays internally consistent to that, you're cool. You're okay with it. And, and I think that's exactly where the rule of cool kind of comes into play. It's when you challenge the rule sets that are presented to you to a certain limit, right? There, yeah. It's going to depend on, and, and that's kind of, I think, what the meat of today's conversation is going to be is when do we do that? How do we do mm -hmm. that? How do you make it the best, most cinematic moment ever? Mm -hmm. But when we say rule of cool, like you said at the very beginning, we're, we're breaking rules to make cool stuff happen. Well, that that's kind of where this willingness to, this willingness to suspend our disbelief comes from. And even if there is this consistent rule set that the suspension of disbelief is following, Every now and then, it can be broken if it's for an amazing, awesome moment. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what the rule of cool is. It's you've constructed this set of consistencies and rules in your in-game universe that you're going to follow 95% of the time. Mm -hmm. But then there's a moment that's just too ripe and you have to take it. And sure... Maybe the rules as written in your manual don't allow you to do something, mm -hmm. but you're going to create, you know, the moment of the entire story arc if you let it happen. Now, if we shift that definition to try to think about role-playing games, I think that's where it gets kind of fascinating. And Dave, this is or David, this is where I'm going to switch it over to you in a second to kind of get your take on it. But what I think is super interesting about this is that in a role-playing game, we are both the spectators and the creators of what's happening at the table. Mm -hmm. So when you start to think about, you know, suspending your disbelief, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like this weird position that we are in as game masters and even as players, because we're creating this narrative mm -hmm. that we also have to have a willingness to suspend our disbelief in to understand it and, and appreciate it. So I don't know if it, how, you know if you have any feelings or thoughts about that. Yeah, no, I I I'm I'm 100 tracking with everything you're saying right now. I, it, it, and I'm in the background. I know people can't see me, but I'm just like yes. <laughs> well, you're, I'm I'm loving what you're saying because I feel like we that is like I feel like to me 
what we're talking about, this whole suspension of disbelief and like the, the stories and these moments that we tell is really what TTRPGs, D and D pathfinder, whatever, it, what, what it all comes down to. Cause like there are some people out there who really get a lot of joy from the number crunchiness of, of the games. Like, no shade on that whatsoever. Like I, I've even had times too where I'm like, heck yeah, I, I rolled a, a seventy-seven thousand damage on this goblin, and it's it's the best thing ever. But if you're talking about a game in the past, you're not usually talking about the numbers. You're talking about the moments that you lived through, that you helped create, that you were, took a part of, and it's these moments where you, the players, and the the game master were just like jazzing with each other. And it's like, cool, we might have broken a rule, we might have bent a rule, but like like you were saying, it didn't actually break the rules of the world. It We just f- flubbed it in such a way that now we have done something so memorable that you're probably going to talk about this time you were sitting with some of your best friends imagining together for years to come. And it's like, those are the, those are the moments that I think really make D&D um, amazing. And I think... I hadn't thought about it in the in the aspect of like cinema, like you were just bringing up. I think that's really cool because, I mean, how many times have of all of us watched a movie, read a story or whatever, and like literally cried, laughed out loud, jumped up from our seat, like fist pumping, like these these epic, heroic, amazing moments that all these heroes that we idolize went through. Like how many times have we done that? And then being able to do that, being able to like you were saying, both participate and spectate in the lens from the lens of like a ttrpg like that's what it's all about so i'm loving what you're saying it's very cool and the whole idea of suspending disbelief it is is very fun that's one of the um that's one of the first things that like i was saying and i've been through a couple different screenwriting classes and that's one of the first things they always teach is just like yeah like it's weird that et a little alien creature comes down and like makes friends with these children and they fly him back to the moon on their bicycles like that from that pitch it doesn't make any sense but like if you just go with it if you just suspend your disbelief and just like go along on that emotional journey it's one of the who who knows what can happen you can literally be literally be inspired to change your life just based off of that one core concept of just like hey just bear with this for a second it's gonna be okay yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so i i and i couldn't agree with you more David, like that's why we play these games. Or at least that's how why my tables play these games. Is we were in it to create this fantastic narrative. We have the structure of a game. We have a structure of a rule set that enables us to do that. But we're not beholden to it. Um, are there other things that you can think of or that you feel ought to be considered when we think about the rule of cool and the suspension of disbelief and, and things like this? Are, are there other components that? Uh, I think I, honestly, I think. Yeah, a little bit. I think because like if you, I think that you, you you've said it a few times. Consistency, like not necessarily breaking the rules that you've already established, or like not breaking them so badly. Like say you have, say you're in the moment and your barbarian is like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I'm gonna cast fireball. Like, okay, you can't. Mm. We could probably find a way to make that happen, but like if you allow too much, like if you, if you get too much out of the sandbox, it it just kind of breaks the whole game, and and yeah, and then and yeah. well, it doesn't break the game. It it. It ruins the suspension of disbelief, basically. Yeah, it stresses it too much, and then it yeah, and then it pops. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very interesting thing, and I, I know I just it's so to be, get back to your original question, um, is there more that you have to take into account? Yeah, I think 
I think the most important thing actually is just as a speaking as a, like a game master, just sort of feeling the vibe of, of your, of your table mm. at that moment. Cause like, say for example, your, your whole table is like down and your whole party's down. They're all dying. And then you're like, Oh, and then the dragon comes in and like saves you. It's like, okay, well, whatever, that's fine. But like, if, if before you get to that moment, you can like work with your party and like find a way to like, okay, maybe we, what are things that happened in your past? What are things that are happening at the moment in this moment? How can I bend these rules ever so slightly to like, to, to give you this op this opportunity to be really cool and like go beyond than just me coming in like MacGuffin saving you yeah. like later. So yeah, I, I think, th I think there's a lot to consider. I don't think, I don't think you can just do it. Like you were Absolutely. saying, I think, you have to, I think you have to be consistent and it has to be somewhat based in, in the, in the world and the game and the rules that you're, you're saying already. Like, for example, if like, if like Harry Potter pulled out like a, a machine gun, but like, okay, well that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but like, <laughs> if he had like some epic cool spell, it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. You can, you can do that, Harry. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Mm. And I like that you talked about your table. I think we can't get away by not saying this caveat, right? You got to know the people you're playing with just like for everything else. Some people hate the idea that you might bend some rules. I'm not one of those people. And I think today, one, one of the missions is to convince you that you should anyway. But, yes. <laughs> but I know, you know some players aren't, aren't a fan of that. And it, it is just impossible for them to bend their suspension of disbelief in such a way that mm. can accept that from happening. But, but so, you know, know your table. But at the same time, you should try to do it anyway and try yeah. to convince them that it's worth it. And I think that's going to segue uh, into some, maybe some moments that have happened mm -hmm. to you, David, in, in your games as a player or in the games that you've run. M maybe, you know, uh, we just had a very theoretical conversation. Let's yeah. go with some practical stuff. What okay. were some moments uh, to you that stick out where you did something really cool and you let it happen or, or mm -hmm. what have you and, and examples of, of the rule of cool kind of in action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh the first one that kind of comes to my head, like the one of the big ones is um in in the show and from a far podcast, um one of our character or one of the players um multi-classed into a barbarian, like like fairly deep into the into the story. And just based off of his backstory, he he really didn't like to use like the rage powers and really like it was like he was hesitating for good reasons to be like oh i don't want to like let go and like lose this control and i don't want to like i don't want to become like this monster so as we were going uh he just kept being very hesitant uh and like i said for good reason but then we got to this like final boss fight for the arc, the arc we were on and one of the one of the, his other party members got like banished to another plane the other was like on his like last few hit points. I think it was even inside like a shark. It was an all underwater thing. It was really cool. Nice. Um, and it was, it was just this one character. His name was Arius and is the character my little brother plays. And it was just him facing off against this like corrupted ultra demon thing from like the nine hells. And he was like, well, I guess I have to rage to like, like I, like, you've backed me into a corner and now like I need, the only way to serve, the only chance of survival will be if I just rage and just do my best to take this thing out. And I was just so proud of him in that moment. And so I was like, how about, I'm like, here we go. Like, don't even worry about it. We're not like, we basically, I basically put all my dice down. And in my mind, he, he became like, he was a level one barbarian or level two barbarian, but I bumped him up in my mind to like 17 for that nice. first initial rage, just as like all these energies were like flowing through him. And like, he, 
he he was like he was like oh I I rolled I rolled um I only get two attacks and I, I that's not enough to kill him I'll just just keep rolling he rolled like nine attacks and we just like kept doubling and tripling damage and all this stuff and it was just it was just such an epic moment because it was it was it needed to happen to save the the party and move the story forward but it also was just like everyone in the room was just like cheering because it was like this huge character moment to finally accept this part of him mm. and he was doing it for like such a specific reason it just felt right to make it this like ultra powerful move and it it wasn't me trying to be like oh like you're gonna lose this fight it was more like oh no like we're on this together we're creating this together and you made you just made such a powerful character choice there's no other reality in my mind that this wouldn't have been like this ultimate wild like finishing move and like some other some other dms like messaged me after that they're like oh like you kind of like and i'm like no like how like just from like a, a mechanic standpoint how lame would it have been if like he'd been working on this for for months and months like oh i don't want to rage i want to rage literally like, calming himself down in the middle of fights and stuff because he didn't want to rage like how lame would it have been just from a from a mechanics point of view to be like all right, you rage and oh, you you hit. Uh, mm, you only did three damage. Oh, yeah. sorry, man. Those are the moments in movies that we watch, and those are the moments in books that we watch. Like I said earlier, that like literally make you jump up out of your seat, and you're just like, "This is the coolest thing ever." It doesn't make any sense, but like, I'm so here for it. And it, it is it's one of those moments that you can like, just talk about for for forever, and just like hopefully it'll be a defining moment in that character's life, and hopefully for Andy who is running Arius at that time. Hopefully it'll be a memory. It'll be a good memory for him and a, and a impactful storytelling moment for him in the past. So that's like the, one of the, the first, like the, one of the bigger ones. Um, yeah, I mean, I got, man. I got a bunch more. That's <laughs> awesome. That's I, that, I can't get behind that enough. Like that is such mm-hmm. a cool. And, and yeah, you said it perfectly. He made this decision to kind of hold back that rage for, games months mm-hmm. and then it finally makes the decision to do it when it's it's appropriate narratively appropriate i for one not that you need my approval on anything but i completely think that's a fantastic mm-hmm. call on your part you know you allow that payoff for making that decision mm-hmm. that narrative bang and exactly it's this memory that is going to stick with that player forever mm-hmm. hopefully you know they're never going to forget it and that's that's why we bend the rules, right? That like that's exactly why. Exactly, because like for me, at the end of the day, it's the TTRPGs are about the storytelling aspect of it, and just if if you can like feel that energy and feel that momentum in the moment, it the the rules melt away, and it's all about just all right. How can we what 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 is actually happening here? What what is this story we're creating together? Because like at the end of the day, we're all creating these stories, mm-hmm. and one one of the other things I love about dungeon masters who are or game masters who are are more inclined to the rule of cool is I feel like a weird little byproduct of it is it usually ends up feeling more like the players and the GM are on the same team and they're just creating together as opposed to like I got, there's nothing wrong if you want to be like a hardcore dungeon master and be like all right I'm gonna make this really difficult for my players like there's nothing wrong with that but like there's less opportunity for those epic story moments if you're just focused on I'm going to try to hurt my players as much as I can. Mm-hmm, and, I, mm-hmm. and I feel like by by using the rule of cool and suspending disbelief and just letting letting the stories happen, you 
you become much more of a collaborative storyteller and it becomes much more of the players and the GM are on the same team. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think it makes it more memorable too, right? I, I mean, mm. I'm going to play the devil's advocate, not because I Do agree it. with it, but just Do because it. I think it makes for interesting conversation. Mm. I, I think y- you can definitely still be, you can definitely still create memorable moments when you stick to die rolls and you stick to the rules as written. And, you know, you, you have these moments where cl- players might roll unprecedentedly well consistently. Mm. But I think where, and, and now I'm going to stop playing the devil's advocate. I, I think where there's a flaw there is that you're taking the control away from the people playing the game and relying on these little pits of plastic to tell you when your memorable moments are allowed mm. to happen. And that's, I, I suppose that's a fine way to play this game mm. and you can appreciate their die rolls for what they are, but mm. then it's not really as much of a creative outlet, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. if we're playing this game to create a collaborative story together and, and, and be creative and improvise and roll with, with punches and then come up with cool ideas and, and build off of one another. I find that the better approach is to do exactly like you said, David, and, and Agreed. be a little more flexible. Um, yeah. Well, sorry, one, one thing to add to that real quick. Sorry. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Because I feel like you, you touched on something that's really cool. It just rule of cool doesn't always have to mean a success. Mm, that's true. Like you can like, cause some of the, the best moments in any of the games I've run have been like, oh, they're just that, that, that super unfortunately timed that one. And then it's like, all right. Like, but, but like if, if you, if you have this kind of improv mindset it's like suspension of disbelief mindset you can even take those moments and be like oh shit okay um how can we make this work like okay yeah are you you lose an arm and like that's gonna that's gonna like catapult us into this next wild part of this story because of this failure and like i I feel like i guess what i'm trying to say here now is i think it can be it can go both ways you don't have to you you, rule of cool doesn't just mean all right i've blow up the dragon's head with my 9,000 fireball damage. It can, like you can, it can be cool to fail still. And if, and if you, as like a, a conscious game master, as a conscious storyteller, if you're, if you have, if you're in the moment, even in those low moments, you can bend the rules and force like hit really hard or like mm-hmm. force, force the story to evolve in such ways that you like that you were saying earlier, like that, is more cre- more creative than just letting the dice dictate. So mm-hmm. that that you just made me think of that. Yeah, no, that's cool. And please don't hesitate to do that as often as you as you feel inspired to. Um, yeah. So all right. So that was an example that I think is a phenomenal use of the rule of cool. Uh, not to put you on the spot, but were there times where you feel like you tried to make something happen that was cool? And it just oh, kind of yeah. fell flat. No. <laughs> almost, almost every game. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's. But uh, absolutely, to answer your question, absolutely. I there, are, I mean, you're one of the one, the way I, the way I like to to DM is just constantly be trying to create and push and and create these worlds and create these moments. And yeah, just I'm, because I'm human, a lot of times they don't they don't go. Like there'll be times where I like give my players a magic item. I'm like, oh, this is going to be really, really hecka tight, man. <laughs> and they just forget about it. Or like I, I, I set up an encounter, set up a, a situation where I'm like, all right, I think 
if you follow what I think you should do, it's going to be really cool. Um, but then inevitably, because you're playing with a bunch of humans and everybody's mind thinks beautifully and wonderfully differently, they always find some way to get around. And it just, it's, it's interesting. So I'm trying to think of an, of a, of a specific, a specific example while I ramble here. Oh, okay. Here, here's one. So in, in one of our most current arcs in the show, it was sort of set up like the, the little sort of context for this is they were up in like the upper plains up in like uh, Mount Celestia and in Looney and they, were, they entered this like ascension tournament to like you fight all these other paladins and clerics and stuff to like ascend the layers of, of the upper plains. It, it's kind of wild and kind of silly. But the, what was happening, spoilers, is the, the person <laughs> in charge of that was actually like the person in charge of these Ascension games were actually taking these winners and, like, converting them into these, like, ultra-powerful, like, holy undead warriors to, like, that they could storm the mountain by themselves. Um, so what I, I had this whole thing set up to where there was, like, going to be this redemption arc for one of these knights that they ran into, and they, they were down in the, in the pit at the end of, this, or in, end of this tournament, and they were getting accused for all this, like, murder and stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm going to send them to jail, and it's going to be the coolest thing ever because then this, like... This night they met earlier is going to come back and save them, and it's going to be so cool. And then my players were just like, we see that you're doing something here. Like, literally, I had to, like, oh. e- edit, edit it out of, like, edit it out of the, the... No, I left this one in because it was really funny because uh, one of my other players, his name is Christian, he plays a bard, and he is just the most chaotic. Hmm. And he, like, I was, like, reading my, like, outro, and he's like, Dave? I'm like, yeah. He's like, um, I'm going to... I'm going to do something here. I was like, Oh no, here we go. And he just, he, he went and he like, he like within a matter of seconds found the knight who was supposed to be like banished from the city. Who was going to like lead a force and come back and save them. He found that person like plane shifted himself and that person away, leaving the other parts of his party there and like totally disrupting and totally like ruining what I had planned. And like, making me like think like sit back and be like okay how can we where do we go from here mm. and so from one aspect it was kind of like he he like ruined my my cool moment that i was about to do but th- this is what i was kind of saying earlier like you if you can if you can take failures and, and from this for this example a failure as a dm um if you can take those moments and really just like think about them and like and just like live in those moments what happened after that was like I was not ready for, I was not prepped for, nobody was ready for, but it turned out to be like one of the most like emotionally charged moments of our like really goofy podcast. Cause like mm. it allowed uh Christian's character, Kippa, to like go back and like revisit a bunch of his old backstory trauma. It allowed him to connect with a bunch of other NPCs and a bunch of other players they had met. And like it took it took my like very basic idea of like okay cool like i'm gonna come and save my players and like turned it into this like collaborative like wild heaven-wide fight (laughs) that was going on (laughs) it was it it turned out to be so much more epic than i ever could have imagined and And that's a fantastic example of kind of a situation that yeah it could have gone wrong but didn't so yeah thanks for sharing those examples i'll share a quick one yeah yeah yeah. what what do you got i'm very curious yeah it, it was funny because it's it's a little, there's, there's some parallels with your example. And it was a situation that I kind of concocted that I was mm-hmm. hoping would, would create for my players to take some interesting risks. And, you know, it, it was a combat scenario and I built this dungeon map. It was kind of like this, 
manor type situation where there was all kinds of things in the in the environment that I was hoping my players would interact with. I put a chandelier, okay? I put a chandelier because I'm like someone's going to swing off of this thing <laughs> and they're going to they're you know it, Mm-hmm. How can anybody resist it? Mm-hmm. Things like this. I put uh, a big stack of barrels at the top of the stairs. I mm-hmm. put the chandelier. I put um, I put some like suits of armor that were precariously placed along like the balcony. <laughs> All kinds of things. Where I was like, you know what? Instead of just casting magic spells and swinging your sword, I want somebody to take a risk and like loosen the barrels as they roll down the staircase mm-hmm. and hit a bunch of enemies or so- something like that. Mm-hmm. And to my to my chagrin, my players did none of that. They just, they just did the optimal thing. They did what the rules told them to do. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of, I, I walked out of that with like a, a sour taste in my mouth. Cause like, oh, mm-hmm. I wish they would have seen the things that I put in front of them. And I think that was my mistake. You shouldn't expect your players just because you think there's opportunity for a cool moment to happen. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't expect that they're going to, they're going to, latch onto it and and i say this with the caveat that you know i've i don't run a, a show for people to watch it's just mm. my friends at the table sometimes they don't feel inspired to do things right so just that's important yeah oh yeah mm. uh, of course yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um but anyway so sometimes they don't feel inspired to be creative they don't feel inspired for me to invoke the rule of cool and that's mm. perfectly fine so I, I think yeah as a game master you, you know you can you can try to have it happen by spending time doing it, but sometimes it's it's time better spent doing something else. Okay. And I, th- yeah, yeah, and and actually, this kind of segues to something that I hadn't thought I would ask you, uh, David. But yeah. how does your implementation of the rule of cool uh, change if you're if if you're running your game for your show versus if you're running the game for kind of like a at home type situation, or or do they differ at all? Like, is there no difference? Uh, I would hope there'd be no no difference. Because there, I, I, I would like to imagine that I, I run my games for, for on air and off air for, with the same intentionality. Mm-hmm. But now that you mentioned it, I think there actually is a pretty big difference because off air, um, we use, I use a lot of visual aids. I use a lot of minis, a lot of maps, a lot of uh, rulers and all sorts of stuff. And for the show, we use, we don't use anything because I, we, we learned early on that like, if you have a battle map, if you have minis, if you have whatever, for a solely audio-based format, it's mm. it's very easy to fall into the trap of, oh, I want to move this guy here, and I want to hit this guy, and I want to... like it, it, You get... It's very easy to not become... To become not descriptive. Yeah. Um. So for, for the show, we... We, do, well, we only do theater of the mind. I always will allow my players to do whatever they want to do basically with, within reason, obviously I, I always encourage my players to be as incre- creative as they can. But I think now that you've mentioned it, I think it's actually a little bit like subconsciously easier to do some of these really wild rule of cool moments. Um, when you have like a visual aid, if that mm. makes any sense, but then kind of on the flip side of that, one thing I've noticed a lot of times on the show, because we're so used to being in our head, not in encounter in in battle moments i've noticed my players will do a lot more creative things like in role play moments okay. with like their with their abilities if that makes sense i i, I think it's kind of like a weird double edged sword where it's like if you have like these like all these awesome battle maps which again 
use battle maps. <laughs> use it all. It's so cool. Like one of the coolest things about getting into D and D. But if you're, like you're used to having these encounters with like these visual aids, and then for all the role play moments, it's just talking back and forth. Having that like brain context switch, I think you can you can lose a little bit of of what your um. I think I think your player yeah. confuse your players a little bit, and I know. Sorry, that was kind of a rambly response. So let me let me no, see no, if I can get back to it. So you, how do I implement my rule of cool? Is that is that what you, is that what the question was? Yeah, it, yeah. How do you implement it, and are there differences? And I guess you mm-hmm. you you said no. There, yeah, at I least in your I, in your delivery, you try not to. Yeah. But what is that delivery? How how I guess yeah. Let, let's go take a step back, and how do yeah, you yeah. implement the rule of cool? So yeah, implementing the rule of cool. Um, like I said, I I always love to encourage my players it, if they're comfortable with it, being as creative as they can. Mm-hmm. Like again, just to talk about the show again, Christian, his character Kippa, he's a bard, so he's he's always trying to be as creative and wild and zany as he can. We have we had a, a cast change recently, and one of our new, our new players is is. Um, not not struggling to like play, but I think it's just it's still like it's a very different thing playing for a show as opposed to playing for like friends at home. Mm-hmm. So I think our new player is not as naturally comfortable with just trying wild things. So I think to implementation, I think it honestly varies between players. Like I think within the same party, you can have somebody who's very willing to be like, okay, you mentioned down the banister. There's 16 candelabras all lit on fire. Can I try to slide down this and catch my sword on fire while I cut off the heads of all these skeletons? Like, you, you can have one player like that. Then you can also have a player who's just like, I don't really feel comfortable trying to come up with something creative like that. Can I just shoot off an Eldritch Blast? Yeah. And I think, I think both, both ways are fine. Um, so I think to answer the question, I think implementation i will as as the the game master i will always try to encourage my players to be as creative as they want to be but kind of going back and talking about trust i i trust them enough to be like if they're like not feeling it right now i'm not going to push that like Mm -hmm. not every attack or every encounter needs to be this uh travis mcelroy uh this sort of or uh, flaming raging sort poisoning sort of doom wild spin attack killing 55 enemies at once like not every not every turn needs to be that yeah. but sometimes it would get it would get tiring having that so hopefully that was a little more of a concise answer than no, what i had perfect. before that the 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 long descriptions are i always appreciate them because it always touches on things that i couldn't have even thought to ask so mm-hmm. don't don't worry about it um no, and i perfect. and i really like that you talk about how it depends on the player. I, I think too, to add a little bit more to that, it, yeah. I think it depends on the character that player is playing. Very true. Uh, one thing that I'm a firm believer of is that every character should have a thing that they're good at, should have a mm-hmm. thing that when it's their chance to shine, they're the only person in the party that is going to be naturally gifted at that thing. And mm-hmm. I think in Dungeons and Dragons does a pretty good job of dividing that out in the classes that the people pick mm-hmm. in other games, in other systems, it's not always as obvious. Um, some systems have skills that everybody have. Like I, there's the bubble gum shoe system that I'm learning a little mm. bit about. And there's like standard skills that everybody gets. So, and, and then you can pick other things too. And that's kind of what makes you special. But 
when it comes to those things that everybody's good at, it's hard to make somebody feel like they're special at mm. those skills that are like standard. So I, anyway, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm also rambling, no, no, you're but, good. but I guess what I'm trying to get at here is when you're giving out these cool moments, when you're bending the rules a little bit, mm. I think it's important to do that kind of in a, in a way that caters to enable the characters to be good at what they're good at without infringing on the things that the other people are supposed to be good at. So if mm. you've got somebody, if you've got the paladin who wants to go do something super creative and be sneaky, you might be tempted or I might be tempted to be like, okay, this is a good opportunity for me to implement the rule of cool. But then mm. if I do, am I stealing away the thunder from my rogue in my party? And these are just little mm. considerations that I think people should think of before they go about twisting and turning the suspension of the of disbelief in their mm -hmm. in their world because if you do that you might unwillingly step on the toes of somebody else at your table um that is a that is an excellent point and i think i think it kind of goes back to what we we're talking about um a little bit earlier like if you can it's funny, yeah. We all, we all we all talk about bending the rules and breaking the rules, but like you kind you kind of have to like just in instinctually know like what how far you can go with it. Because yeah, if if like yeah. if your paladin if your paladin's like I'm gonna sneak through this thing and not have any guards see me, and then the rogue would just be like, okay, like <laughs> I, I I can't smite, so like thanks for taking that away from me. So yeah, I think you just have yeah you just have to be very conscious like and aware, and and, and I think that kind of stuff just comes with with time mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I, we are I'm not saying i'm perfect by any means but like just running a lot of games and being in a lot of D, &D spaces you, you you do just learn things like, like kind of subconsciously like that like oh yeah like yeah. if the rogue wants to sneak let him let him sneak <laughs> the paladin's probably not going to do that <laughs> yeah yeah and and it, mm -hmm. it goes back to this trust thing right it's mm -hmm, the trust mm -hmm. doesn't only have to be or it should it it shouldn't only be from game master to player, but it's everybody trusts everybody. So you're not going to, as the paladin, you're not going to steal that moment from, yeah. the, from the thief or the rogue or whatever, because you know that that's kind of their lane. You also said something that I thought was really neat, actually, in your, in your other example. And this okay. was your example with, uh, with your uh, barbarian who, who had his like, crazy attack after mm -hmm. holding back the rage of you know, mm -hmm. a thousand suns or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Exactly. I, I I really like that for another reason, and I want to mm -hmm. dissect it a little bit more with you, yeah. David. And it's, I think it addresses a common problem that a lot of people preach about the rule of cool. Mm -hmm. That problem being, you don't want to set a precedent for your table. You don't want to introduce the rule of cool, bend or break a rule, mm -hmm. and then have the rest of the time, have your players try to do that over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. uh, one example of this happening to me was in my game i allowed a player to kick sand up into the face of an enemy when they were fighting on a beach mm -hmm. i kind of improvised i'm like okay i guess you blinded him gave him the blind condition yeah now not now but for a few fights after that they were like okay Let's every time we fight on the beach, let's even put some sand in like a little pouch and just like blind everybody. <laughs> and I was like, guys, you can't, <laughs> no, mm -hmm. that's not, that's not, mm -hmm. that's not no bueno. Like I'm retconning that. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, so you, if you set a precedent in, in a moment when you bend the rules, it can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Why I really love your example 
was because you subverted this ability to make a precedent happen by having this situation kind of be the climax of a really big buildup, right? It's this situation that's basically like you can't duplicate. You can't you can't duplicate having the barbarian never rage and then fighting this giant demon at the bottom of the seventh gates of hell and mm. then just exploding. Like that is mm. even if they wanted to try to make that happen again, it's not gonna happen again. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, yeah. Check, yeah, check yes. I, I yeah, that that's that's it. So basically I just oh. think that if people want to uh, bend the rules for rule of cool, I think they should. And I think it's just kind of a counter argument for when people say, oh, you're going to set these precedents. Mm. Well, well, I think if you make the rule bending kind of situational, environmental, based on on circumstances that you as the game master can kind of mm-hmm. barkle in, then it can't be duplicated. Um, I that don't know if me... you if you agree or disagree with that. No, I, I do. I, that makes me think of two things, I think. And I know this kind of... I find myself saying this all the time and it's getting kind of cliche at this point, but I still firmly believe it. If you're following your story and if, if you're putting story first and allowing, allowing your players to have as much input on the story as you, as the game master are, I kind of what you're saying. I don't think you're going to have a lot of those repeat huge, like rule of cool breaking like moments. Mm-hmm. So like, I think like just like, I know I say this all the time, but like, if you can if you can put story for first it will be clear when you should break the rules and it will be clear when you shouldn't break the rules and make those moments come out as naturally as possible i think is absolutely super important yeah mm-hmm. um all right so i guess i i think we've been making a pretty good case uh, with these examples and these strategies but i i wanted to kind of give you an opportunity mm-hmm. david to to share you know are there other uh are there specific things that you do strategies or, or, you know, things in your preparation that you think as advice to people listening, if they wanted to kind of take a stab at, mm-hmm. at doing this and, and having these, these cool moments happen, what would be advice you would give to someone who's maybe never done it before or a new game master or something like that? Got it. Yeah. A great question. And what I say next might scare a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, when it comes to prep and getting ready, I think if you if you want to be more of like a story based improv forward um rule of cool sort of DM do a couple of things get ready to never use a stat block just okay. sort of make it up as you go <laughs> um whenever I'm prepping I I make like secrets and it's like okay here's like some character secrets here's some story secrets and here's some like like story moments that could happen and I try to keep it like as vague as possible. It's like, okay, somewhere in the town, the 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 key to the kingdom that they're trying to get into is hidden. There's a thieves' guild that is involved with this key somehow. There's someone within the thieves' guild who is like, who's angry at the guild and wants to like leave. There, like, you just make a bunch of these like very generic plot points and secrets that you don't like specifically assign to anybody or anything. You just sort of know in the back of your head, like here's, here are these like 10 secrets. All right, players go do whatever you want to do. And then you just, then you as the GM just sort of follow what they do. And then, you know, like, okay, they went to this tavern. I wasn't expecting them to be at this tavern, but I do have this secret about there being someone angry in the, in the thieves guild. 
to like, so maybe I can pepper that in here. And then, and then if you, if you just sort of like unleash yourself from your own rules and your own mm. prep, you can, you, it allows you to be a lot more flexible and a lot more in the moment when it comes to your players. And I, th- I think if you're willing to do that and you're willing to, you're willing to sort of trust yourself and trust your players subconsciously, you can get some really awesome moments and awesome NPCs and awesome, uh, just encounters without the stress of, of prepping for it. And what I was saying about not using stat blocks, <laughs> it's, it's kind of hey, stupid. You're, you're not yeah. going to get any hate from me because that's yeah. exactly how I run all of my bad guys. There's like, yeah. they're not exactly stat blocks. It's like, I have little check boxes and I'm like, that's yep. how many solid hits it's going to take to yep. get this guy down. If exactly. they get a crit, okay, that's maybe three little check boxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like, I've run a couple encounters. No, that's exactly the way I did it too. It's like, all right, this guy's like five hits. Oh, yeah. that was a, that was a crit from a paladin and a divine smite. Well, okay, this this guy is dead. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, there, there's there's another there's one quick example of this. Um, I heard I I heard once, and I've felt this before too. Is like I heard once somewhere that like like oh how long should my encounters be? And someone's like they should be as long as your as long as your players are interested. And I was like that's really wild because like what if this the big bad guy has 600 HP and they've only done 200 HP. And it's like, you think about it, you're like, if your players are like not interested, that's 400 HP to get through. You're like, what? Yeah, that would suck for everybody. So like there was, there's been, there was one time that in, in the show again, each of the three players had to fight these these, like duels with like three different people. And it was going and it was fun. Everybody was fighting and we got to the last one and I could tell like the arch was kind of falling the the role supported this, but the the it was the barbarian that I was talking about earlier. He charged this guy and like knocked him out of the ring. He, he killed him in one hit, but only because it was like he got like a really good hit in the beginning, and I could tell like the energy was like starting to fade, and like I could tell like if if this moment happened, if he killed him in this one go, like just morale would be like through the roof. So it's like mm-hmm. if you if you throw away your stat blocks. And just just can follow the energy and like like just kind of play off your players. I think you'll have so much more fun, and you'll allow yourself like what we're talking about to like just naturally find these rule of cool moments where you're like, yeah, okay, sorry, my bad guy. Yeah, he he's gonna attack the tree and he's gonna knock this tree down on top of you. Like that's not a, a skill. He, he doesn't have like a wood cutting skill, but like mm-hmm. because you're just allowing creativity to flourish. You can just see all sorts of wild stuff. So yeah, that, that's that's kind of how I prep a lot of these things is by not prepping for them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I think that's fantastic advice because mm-hmm. in general, the rule of cool is exactly, it's it's kind of this reactive tool. I mean, yeah. perhaps perhaps it isn't. Perhaps I'm going to no, say that. No, you're absolutely right. It. No. But it's, yeah, it's this reactive tool to take what your players give you and make it awesome. You know, and if you can have the added benefit of taking a combat that's lasting too long or an exploration of a dungeon that's just like dragging on, you make something cool happen. You 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 pick up the pace of the game by making a trapdoor no be noticed or yeah. have an NPC open up a hatch and they like what what are you guys doing here? <laughs> you know, yeah. you make these moments 
mm-hmm. because you kind of have to, otherwise it drags on. That's how you make your story richer too. I love that. And I think, I think two super awesome things that you just said right there. I, I, I hadn't been able to vocalize this before, but rule of cool is absolutely reactionary. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, a hundred percent. I totally, totally agree with that. And, and I, I don't want, I don't want uh, people to think you shouldn't prep. Cause I, I totally agree. Like you should, you should absolutely prep and, and, and react to your players and react and be like, Oh, like you loved this, this like volcano adventure we went on. How can I take like the aspects you loved of that and put it into this new thing? And how, how can I take this NPC or this tool or whatever? I, I, I absolutely love that. So yeah, I think definitely, definitely prep, mm-hmm. just, just be smart about it. Like I don't, and again, no shade on, on, on DMs who, who do this like absolute, like meticulous planning. I just have noticed for myself because I, I tend to be a lot more of a, of a go with the flow rules, rule of cool, not rules as written DM. Um, yeah, cool. Thank you. I appreciate you agreeing mm-hmm. with that. And, and I also, that, that thing you said about having secrets and stuff like that is, it's almost like you're preparing to be reactionary. Yeah. You're, you're preparing to be in a position where you'll have a nugget to give your players mm-hmm. in a moment that deserves it kind of. So I, yeah, mm-hmm. I really like that. I guess now maybe it's time to get on the soapbox. Okay. Got it. Got my shoes on. Let's climb up. David, why should people implement the rule of cool? Like what's the, what's the argument that we can say that you think can convince somebody who is hesitant to bend the rules or hesitant to do something that's, perhaps a little bit too outrageous or allow their players to do something that's a little bit too outrageous. I think personally, and I I think this is kind of what all these points are sort of leading towards is it allowing players and DMS and GMs to bend the rules and use the rule of cool. I think what it does is it, it gives kind of gives your players like the reins to the, to the wagon for a little while. And it it gives them a chance to it gives them a chance to create the story the way they see it. And I think if you can get to that moment as a GM, if you can get to that moment of your player being so invested that they're like, I want to add my two cents and my thought and my blood and my sweat and my tears to this. I think if you can get to that, then you'll have a player who's invested in your story, maybe even more so than you are <laughs> as a, <laughs> as a, as a GM. And I, I, it's scary to give up the reins, but like, if you're willing to, like we were saying earlier, if you're willing to trust and kind of take that leap of faith, I guarantee freaking T you, no matter what your players do, it will always be cooler than anything you've thought of because it'll be a different perspective and it'll be, it'll be, purely their own and and no matter what it is it'll be amazing so i think if even if you're afraid to 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 commit like full to it i think just trying it a few times and letting your players just take that swing take that extra thing be creative and, and add their voice to the story i think you will have more fun you will have a better story and you will create these memories with your players that will last for ever couldn't have said it better. I, yeah, a hundred percent. That's, that's it. And it's all, it really, I want to focus on the memories, right? That's why yeah. we're playing mm-hmm. this game mm-hmm. with our friends, with new friends and old. And mm-hmm. if, if you can create a moment that you're going to look back on, you and your players are going to look back on and be like, I can't believe that happened. 
I can't believe we did that. Or can't believe that the story went this way or that way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the beauty of it. And it's really, really hard to make those moments happen at a frequency that is a, like attractive, you know, like at a frequency <laughs> that, that and maybe I'm, in, I don't think I'm impatient, but maybe I am. And uh, at a frequency <laughs> and like at a pacing that mm-hmm. makes sense and that, that enables the story to go on. And I'm going to go back to what I said before. If you're allowing the dice to tell you when those moments happen, they're not going to happen at a like a at a pace or frequency that you get to control. And how can you craft a story together if that's how you're making the story happen? So anyway, that's 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 my that's that's yeah. beautiful. I I couldn't have said that better. <laughs> Thank you. That, Thank that, you. Honestly, I love that because yeah, yeah, it just it. You said it. You said it right. We're we're he, we're here with friends, telling these stories, trying to l- remember how to do math, and trying to remember all these rules <laughs> for a reason. Like we're we enjoy this, and and the memories we make are truly special. And if you can facilitate, like you were saying, if you can facilitate that pace and like those memories, that's you're you're winning. Mm-hmm. I know people say you can't win D and D, but I do think if you can do that, if you can create a memory with with one of your friends, that is that is winning D and D. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. So then let's do the, always the most challenging part of the show <laughs> is trying to, trying to give a satisfying conclusion about conclusion. what the rule of cool is, how mm-hmm. to do it and how, why we think people should do it. So I'm going to, I'm going to kick it off by just kind of reminding everybody about what we talked about at the beginning. We talked about the suspension of disbelief where it's this kind of this agreement that everybody at the table has to just believe the impossible you're spectating and participating actively Mm -hmm. at the same time to create this uh, coherent set of rules that your world lives in while also simultaneously finding the opportune moments to break those rules for cool moments to happen that's kind of how i think we how we sort of defined the rule of cool now over to you dave to think about and to share a little bit of the strategies that we uh, strategies or, or, or things that we talked about as are related to the rule of cool kind of in a, yeah, that was great. Um, yeah. I, I just kind of thinking back on the conversation we just had, I think some of the stuff that stood out to me uh, we were talking about is knowing your tone and like knowing, knowing your players. Cause like that will, that will kind of, it's like a roadmap basically. Mm-hmm. You can sort of be like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this. But then like, what what it always seems to come back to is is the story you're telling with this group of friends and being able to trust both tr- from a dm's perspective trust your players both from a player's pr- perspective trusting your dm to 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 know to to do it for the right reasons mm-hmm. to 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 bend and break the rules for the right reasons and so if you if you can get that roadmap of of tone get the trust of your players and your and your dm and then just be willing to sort of buckle up and just make these memories and make these good times with your friends. Like I think there's no wrong way to do it personally. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and I think we talked a little bit about also how it's a narrative piece. It's a mm-hmm. piece that enables you as a game master and as, as players to kind of take risks with your story and, and get big payoff. Uh, to also, you know, if you want to be facilitative of it, 
it's almost the opposite of what you might think. Don't plan it out too much and just be reactive and, and yeah. find, you know, places that fit, like you're saying, David, the tone of the game that you're playing and the the agreement that you and your players, the, the page that you and your players are on to introduce these moments at the right, at, at the right time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, All right. I think that's, I think, I think that, that covers it. <laughs> I think that works we pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. Good job. Take that we, other episodes. We did the best. Whew, best, best inclusion <laughs> out there. For sure. uh, so, so Dave, thank, thank mm-hmm. you so much for being here to talk Thanks to me about me. the rule of cool and to talk to the listeners about the rule of cool. Uh, of do you have any parting words uh, for the folks listening at home? And, and also please remind them about where they can find uh, from afar podcast, yeah. where they can rate you five stars, where they can subscribe to your Patreon and, yeah, and all yeah, of that yeah. good stuff. Totally. Uh, no, I think the, I think my like, sort of final words on this are just, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to, to just tell that story with your friends and no matter what way, even if you have to break a few rules, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs or I don't know if that's <laughs> the way it goes. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. This has honestly been a fantastic, I've been looking forward to this for like all week. This has been a fantastic conversation. <laughs> um, you're an amazing person, an amazing conversationalist. I hope we get thank a chance to, to speak again. Of course. Um, You're welcome back anytime. Dude, let me know. Like we, uh, (laughs) I, I love this kind of stuff. It just like theorizing and pontificating. It's very fun. Um, yeah. So once again, my name is David Tilstra. I am the dungeon master for, from afar podcast. Uh, we are a bi-weekly, uh, D and D five E actual play podcast. Wow. That's such a mouthful every single time. Uh, currently right now we're running a game called quest for Atlantis, which is very, uh, high seas, piratey, and plane based. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at uh, at From Afar Podcast. Uh, we're on Spotify or on Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, feel free to, to drop a, a listen. Uh, we have a Discord. Come hang with us. Come hang with us on Discord. We do uh, we do like community game nights and movie nights. Um, and finally, we're on Twitch at From Afar twitch.tv slash from afar podcast every Wednesday we're playing we play just like really wild video games that like four people nice. can play and they're just all these like these like wild party games and then every other Friday which is actually not this Friday but whatever every other Friday we do like uh, video game playthroughs like I just beat Ori in the Blind Forest and uh, my little brother just played Resident Evil 7 and I think I'm up next for Banjo-Kazooie and uh so, so like, you pick you pick the light-hearted oh yeah binge, and he goes <laughs> yeah. straight for the jugular with straight yeah. for resident evil i was watching him play it and i was like man games have gotten so violent since i was a little little person like but it was good it was, it was very so we have fun so yeah uh find us at all those places we're usually around the internet just at from afar podcast and you can find me personally just on twitter at david tilstra uh feel free to to come hang out we lo- i love talking and doing uh dnd stuff oh also last thing we we do uh charity streams and one shots on our twitch channel as well every couple months so uh feel free to to join in at any point whenever you want to and we will hopefully make you laugh <laughs> that's kind of our deal that's awesome it. yeah awesome yeah. and yeah i definitely encourage folks to go go find from a far podcast Thank i you. i've listened to quite a few episodes and dave D- david is being very modest in his uh in his descriptions of his show it's a fantastic show with the the story is is fantastic and Thank i you. think uh, he does a good job of 
showcasing the rule of cool in 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 his podcast and in his adventures so please go Thanks go give it a listen and, and go watch uh david be scared of resident evil <laughs> i'm super scared of resident evil man it's so scary <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. with that, uh, thanks again, David, for being on the show. I'd like course, to remind, yeah, my, my pleasure. I'd like to remind listeners that you can go find Roleplay Chat wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't done so already, please, please, please rate the show five stars on Spotify or iTunes or whatever it is you're listening to me on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps with the visibility of the show. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to remind folks that. Um, you can contact me on Twitter. So roll underscore play underscore chat. And if you need to send me something that's longer than 250 characters, you can contact me uh, via good old Google Gmail at contact at gmail.com. And with that, let's call it a chat. Call it. Bye everybody. Bye.